Hey, uh, good morning, everyone, morning. or good afternoon, or whatever time of the day it is. Uh, so just thinking, Thomas, steady on with the good old days bit, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know where he's disappeared to, but anyway, uh, doesn't seem that long ago since you guys were part of the community up on the Carn Money Road since you came down here. So anyway, it's really good to be with you. My name's John Dickinson, I'm kind of minister um, uh, of Carn Money Church, which is kind of the that the parent church of this plant in, the, in the Belfast, and we like to keep in touch with our family members, and so it's really good to share with you and to get the opportunity to be together around the Lord's table today. Um, so uh, before we do that, I'd like to just read um, a passage of scripture, which I should have actually got up on this before I got to my feet and then forgot about. Um, why can you never find your Bible app when you really need, oh, there it is. Okay, so this is um, from Paul's uh, first letter to the Corinthians, and in chapter 11, I'm going to begin to read uh, at verse 18. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat, For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And the Lord will bless his truth Uh, to all our hearts for Christ's sake, we ask it. Amen. Okay, so you don't need me to tell you that it's 2020, it's a new year, and it's also a new decade. Everybody seems to have got it, even the two governments and the parties at Stormont, because they just signed up to a deal called New Decade, New Approach. Well, let's hope so anyway. But it's also a significant time for us in Central because this month we begin a new year and a new decade in our own home. Because we didn't start last year here. So this is the first year and the first decade that Central has its own home in Belfast. And that's brilliant. We find ourselves in a place into which we can invite our city and from which we can go out to dwell in that city. This is also the year in which our parent church in Carmoney gives thanks for the past 12 years of a vision called 2020 Vision that they wrote and that we've been working on throughout all that time and of which to a degree central is part of the outworking of that vision. 12 years ago, we set it for 2020 and this year we realized the end of that vision and set our sights on a new direction for a new decade. So this is kind of a significant time for church, for you guys here in Belfast and for us up on the Carnmoney Road. But what about us as individuals? Maybe this is a significant year for you. 
Maybe somebody's got a big birthday coming up this year or a big anniversary of some sort. Maybe it's a year full of promise for you. There's a new job coming up. There's a new member coming into your family. There's a new resolve that you have to try something different, whatever it is. Or maybe you're just quite frankly glad to see the back of 2019. I'm not sure, but maybe 2020 is a big deal for you. For me, it sort of is. 40 years ago, on the 20th of January, I was ordained to the Christian ministry by the Presbytery of East Belfast in Bloomfield Church. And I kind of feel that all my life from that point on, for the last 40 years, has been the experience of a title Eugene Peterson used for one of his books, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Through those 40 years, I've been in three different places, but effectively, I've been doing exactly the same thing in all three. I've been doing exactly the same thing, really, in my life for 40 years. I'm an exceptionally boring person. The last 18 years of that experience has been spent leading in Carn Money. And on the 31st of December this year, that partnership will come to an end. And that changes things a bit for me in this year. In a number of different ways. I bumped into somebody a couple of weeks ago. He's married to a member of our congregation. And we were just chatting about things. He's a man in his 60s. And he was talking about how in his business things haven't been going too well. And they, they mean, in fact, financially they've been going downhill for a while. And so at the beginning of this year, he finds himself in a sort of challenging kind of position. And I said to him, yeah, well, it must be pretty tough. I said, I suppose, you know, when you get to this stage in life, you don't, you know, you don't have the same energy that you had when you were younger and, and it's pretty tough to try to rebuild a business in your 60s. Well, he said, it's not really that. I said, oh, right, so what is it? Well, he said, actually, it's, it's, it's not the energy thing. He said, it's the time thing. When I was trying to build my business in my 30s and 40s, I had loads of time in front of me. Now I'm in my 60s, he says, I don't have that kind of time, and that makes it difficult. Shortness of time changes everything. And so in some ways, for me as an individual, and for us as a church fellowship, it's significant that we gather today at the beginning of a new year and at the beginning of a new decade, and for me at the beginning of my last year working as minister and leader in Carn Money, that we begin that year at the Lord's table. Why is that significant? Well, it's significant, first of all, because being at the Lord's table actually reminds us why we do all this. What is this actually about? We are here to seek the presence of God among us. That's what it's all about. And that's one of the key things we remember when we gather at the Lord's table and take bread and wine in our hands. As Andrew Peterson writes in his song, Does the Father Truly Love Us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. This is all about the presence of God. We cry with David, the repentant psalmist, in Psalm 51, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Or as Moses made clear, in one of the most romantic episodes in the whole of Scripture, on the mountain of the Lord, before the presence of God, he says to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. 
How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? This is all about the presence of God in youth and in old age, in work and in rest, in singleness and in relationship, in the house and in the public square, in darkness and in light, in hope and in despair, in life and in death. What is any of it unless God is with us? The presence of the Lord, be still for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One is here. Come, bow before him now in reverence and fear. In him, no sin is found. We stand on holy ground. Be still for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One is here. And where else could we be sure to meet him than in the bread and wine of his commandment? If you invite somebody to your home for a meal, you don't normally make sure you're out when they come. And if God has invited us to his table and bid us share this food together, we can be pretty certain because his was the invitation that when we meet, he is going to be here. Communion brings us into the presence of the Lord and it brings the presence of the Lord into us literally. The question is, are you prepared to receive him? Or are you just here to pass yourself, hoping either that he doesn't show up or that if he does, he won't notice you? I I realized last week that I had a puncture, one of the front tires of my car. So I realized I had to go and get it repaired. I didn't want to go to McGowan's to get it repaired. There were two reasons for that. The first reason was I noticed when I took the tire off the car that the puncture was right at the very edge of the tread. And I'm thinking to myself, they'll tell me they can't repair that and I'm going to have to put a new tire on. But I was worried for a second reason because I knew that the tire on the other side at the front had a bulge on the sidewall. And it had been there for quite a considerable period of time. I know I'm a highly irresponsible parent and husband. I'm running about my grandchildren in a car with a front tire that has a bulge in the sidewall and all the rest of it. But hey, it came through the MOT last June and they didn't seem to be worried about it. So I was just driving with, but I knew, I knew when I went to McGowan's that they would see it and that they would say, you need to put a tire on that wheel too. And hey, that's exactly what happened. Two tires at the start of the new year on the front of my car. I was totally gutted. I didn't want to go because I didn't want them to see. And loads of people come to worship that way. You're here. Are you here to receive him who has come? Or are you here to keep your head down in the hope that he won't notice? That he won't notice all that is unworthy and all that is unclean and all that you are rightfully ashamed of as you sit here this morning, that he won't notice that and somehow or other you'll get out under the radar and it'll be okay. Or are you here to take all that he has to give? One fact you cannot ignore when there is bread and wine in your hands is the presence of the Lord. And if he is with us this morning, then that makes 2020 special.
The first thing that being a community at the start of a new year confronts us with is the reality of what this is all about, the presence of the Lord. But there's another reason why beginning this significant year for me and for you is most fittingly done at the Lord's table. In our tradition, when we gather around this table, we read some words from the pen of the Apostle Paul. I've already read them this morning. And every time we read those words, they summarize what we are doing when we do communion. Jesus says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes. It's really important to meet with Jesus, to experience his presence in bread and wine, in the word that is preached, in the worship that we bring, in the Holy Spirit whom he has sent. All of those things are really important, but it's also important to remember that all this, all that we are going to do together is only until he comes. All Christian experience in this world, as it is now, has a shelf life. All the stuff of our faith and our witness, the buildings we have renovated, the services we have organized, the ministries we run, the money we have given and the sacrifices we have made, all this is temporary. It is until he comes. Until he comes. That's the theme we're taking up this year on the Carn Money Road. And you may share in some of those, um, some of the parts of that series during the course of the year. And over the coming months, we're going to explore the significance of this central fact that everything we are and do is until Jesus comes. But for today, let's remember where that phrase places us. It reminds us that we live between the times. On the one hand, the kingdom of God has come. That was the very first thing Jesus said in his public ministry. Mark 1, 15, the time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom is here, it came in Jesus. But even though the kingdom is here, it is not yet here in all its fullness, nor will it be until he comes again. And that means that our hope in the present, comes to us from the future, not from the past. That's a really important mindset for us to acquire, and it makes sense to us. We, we understand that kind of thing from other aspects of our lives. When, when Christine and I were engaged to be married, we were at university. She was studying sociology, I was studying history, before going on to study theology. And because of that reality, our engagement lasted for three and a half years, the longest three and a half years of my life. And throughout all that time, it wasn't that we didn't have enjoyment in the things that we had, going out to the cinema together, sharing coffee in the Great Hall of Queens in between lectures, doing all those sorts of things and enjoying the freedoms that it was to be a student at university and then subsequently at theological college as Christine went on to begin work as a social worker. And all of that, we had some really good times together, but our hope wasn't found in that. Our hope was found in the fact that something was coming in the future that would give meaning to what we were doing now because we were for each other. She was mine and I was hers. 
But we were looking forward to the day when we would have the fullness of that experience. And that future hope was what made the present make sense. And shouldn't this be our orientation too, as Christians? That all of this only makes sense. It only has meaning because he's coming back. Certainly, that was Paul's orientation. Ending the letter that we've just been reading from in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. Sometimes what he did, Paul's letters were written for him by a secretary. He dictated them, the secretary wrote them down. But then sometimes, just so the people who received the letter would know that it was genuine, at the very end of the letter, Paul takes the pen from the secretary and he scribbles a few lines himself, signs his name at the bottom. And he does this in 1 Corinthians. And we read in 1 Corinthians 16, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. Those last two words in the book are one word in Aramaic, which is the language Paul uses when he writes that last expression, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. That was the explanation of Paul's life. The value of what he was doing now the meaning of what he was involved in now was in this great expectation. His hope didn't come from the past or all the experiences of the good things that God had done in him and through him. His hope came from the future because Jesus was coming back. What would Christine have thought throughout those years of our engagement if I never talked about the wedding? We never made any plans. We never looked for somewhere to live. We didn't think about what that might be like and how we would manage it and what our future together would be. Suppose we never talked about that for the whole of the three and a half years. She'd have thought there was something seriously wrong with me. She might have come to doubt whether I really had any intention of marrying her or not. How does it make sense, therefore, that we live our lives as if there was not the prospect of the return of our Lord and Savior? This amazing life that we have, it's not all that there is. This is only until he comes. And shouldn't we be looking for that? And shouldn't that be where our hope comes from? Our hope comes from the future, not from the past. It's easy for us up on the site in the Carmel Road to celebrate the fact that we're over 360 years there and God has done incredible things throughout all that time. We've lived through revival times in the 1850s and seen all sorts of things that God did at those times and we've seen him continue to work through us right up to this present moment of time and we can draw loads you know of encouragement from that but that's not where our hope comes from hope comes from the fact that all of this is until he comes all the tinkering we can do around the edges of the car crash that is the sinful world we live in cannot fix it that is not our hope. We're not going to give up seeking strength to oppose the kingdom of darkness. We're not going to give up what we do, but our hope is not in that. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus is coming back. This world is no longer, this world as it is right now, the kingdom of darkness is no longer our home. When we trusted Christ, we were moved out of that kingdom. And our hope comes from the fact that Jesus is coming again. And when he does, the kingdom we now inhabit, when it is here in all its fullness, will be all that there is. No more sin, no more death, no more suffering, no more parting. No more pain and difficulty. The kingdom of heaven will be all that there is when he comes.
Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. The other thing is this. That means if our hope comes from the future, if all of this is given meaning by the fact that Jesus is coming back, then there is only a limited time available to us. And I'm not talking now about the fact that I've only got 12 more months to do this job. As my friend's personal reflection on his circumstances that I quoted earlier highlights, this fact only serves to sharpen focus and forces us to make choices about about what we can do together in the limited time we have. That's what that realization, it forces me. The next 12 months I have, I wanna do some serious damage in those 12 months if I possibly can. I just don't want to seal into the end and think, well, that'll be great. No, I want to use the opportunities. But to do that, I need to make choices and I I need to choose not to do some things so I can give energies to other things. That's what a limited time does to us. And the point about that is, it's not just me facing that question right now, it's every one of us. The whole church of Jesus Christ is continually facing that question because we have a limited time. We only get to do this until he comes. So what is the Lord inviting us to do with him in the remaining time until he comes? Well, Paul's text about the communion service answers that question because it finishes with these words. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's the project that Jesus wants us to get involved with in the limited time we have left. Proclaiming the Lord's death. What does that even mean? Well, obviously, this is the good news that there is a sacrifice for our sins. We've just been singing about that, several of the songs that we sang at the beginning of our worship. There is a sacrifice for our sins. All that is unworthy, all that is wrong, all that is deeply evil about the things that we have done can be sorted. God has done something about that, okay? And that's a great message, but it is also the good news of how God works. We are called to proclaim the cross of Christ. What does that mean? It means God faces his enemies, not with a drone strike or carpet bombing or covert operations, but he faces his enemies by a cross which has his son on it. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God faces the kingdom of darkness with a cross. And he calls us to proclaim that cross. This is a message that the broken world needs to hear. And if you want to know what we should be doing in partnership with our master from now until his return, this is it. That's what it says. Whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Who needs to hear and see that proclamation from you? And what might it mean for you to respond to God's call to partnership in this ministry? Might mean a career change. Might mean giving up something you volunteer in now so that you can give yourself to something that might be much more effective in reaching people with that message. It might mean a house move to some other place where you can be influential. Maybe it's time 
to invite someone specifically to church. Or on the Alpha course, there's some cards at the front here. We're starting an Alpha course in a couple of weeks' time on the Carnmoney Road and our coffee bar up there. And if you wanted to invite somebody as a first step to beginning to declare the Lord's death, now we'd love you to bring that person with you on our Alpha course. There are hurts to be healed, disciples to be made, churches to be planted, but all of this is only until he comes. The bread and wine are not just Christ's presence among us, but a call to recommitment until he comes. Among the last words Peter wrote were these. In 2 Peter 3, he says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. What kind of people ought you to be Therefore, You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. We are to be set apart for partnership with the Spirit until he comes. I preached this message three times last Sunday on the Carnmoney Road and after the 11 o'clock service, I wandered into the, back into the church center to go upstairs to my office and grab my bag and head home. And at the bottom of the stairs, I met a young woman who's a member of our congregation and she came over to me to speak to me and she couldn't speak. And she said, I, 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 I don't know what I want to say to you. She said, all of a sudden, I'm all emotional and I, I can't get the words out. And she mumbled about something about how it had been challenging and helpful for her and, and that was all she could say. She was embarrassed because she was so emotional. And she sent me a text the next day and it said this, hi John, my words just wouldn't come out yesterday. It was a very precious time of worship for me. Just felt so refreshed and forgiven for failures in my own life and focused to start afresh until he comes. What an awesome thought. Sometimes I get so caught up with doing life that I forget the real reason is coming. God is so good. And this is just such a moment for you and for Central. You are you and Central is Central until he comes. We were made for so much more than this. However significant what we have here really is, because all of this is until he comes. At the very end of the last book in the canon of scripture, Jesus speaks, and this is what he says. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright morning star. And then John, who has recorded this testimony in his book, comments and says, the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come. And he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is the place of the presence of the Lord. This is the place of memory, that all this is until he comes. And this is the place where we recommit to live in the light of that for whenever you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.